You are listening to the Balmetto State Podcast, where we have conversations about all things basketball with a South Carolina flavor. Let's get started and tip off this episode with your host, the head basketball coach at Westwood High School, John Combs. Welcome to the Ball Meadow State Podcast. Today, we're excited to be joined by Upward Stars, Kurt Wheeler. Kurt, how are you doing today? Doing well, John. Thanks for having me on. How are you? I'm, I'm outstanding. I mean, it's great to have an opportunity to talk basketball with you. Uh, on the Ball Meadow State Podcast, we like to talk to people who have an influence on basketball here in the state of South Carolina. And you certainly have a, uh, a, a great influence. Uh, your hand is in a lot of different things here in our state. And you know, we know that uh, basketball is very important uh, to you, especially South Carolina basketball. Let's jump right in to talk about, uh, tell us a little bit about your basketball journey. How, how would you describe that to people? Uh, a marathon, you know, not a sprint. Uh, we always hear that cliche that life's a marathon, not a sprint. And I know a lot of the kids now, there's a rapper who uh, died last year. Nipsey Hussle, and he talks about the marathon continues. So just just a marathon, a lifelong journey, and it's it's just continuing to go, grow and go. You know, so um, yeah, started out playing as a kid, just in the yard, backyard, in gyms, rec centers. Uh, my dad was my first coach, and uh, really enjoyed playing and learning from him, and he kind of taught me how. How to work hard and work on my skill set. He was real big on working on my left hand. He was left-handed or is left-handed. So, um, you know, uh, some people actually thought I was left-handed because I used it that much. Uh, but I was an Army brat, military. So we moved around a little bit, born in Hawaii, uh, Fort Stewart, Georgia, which is down by Savannah, uh, Germany. Hometown is North Augusta, though, North Augusta, South Carolina. And I just played. I played on bases. I played rec ball. Um, and we finally settled back to North Augusta. And I, you know, I played there at the high school for Coach Brian Mackey. That's now at Camden. And, uh, you know, I had an opportunity to go play at Voorhees College, but I turned it down. I just wanted to go to school, to go to school. And, uh, probably need to ask my dad. I never asked him this question, but I heard him on the phone with uh, one of his friends one night after I made that decision. And he said, well, you know, I really wanted him to play, but he said he didn't want to play. So that's okay. And a lot of times I see parents make kids do things. But when I was like eight, I didn't want to play baseball and he made me play baseball. I didn't have a choice and I ended up being an all-star and all that. So it was just different to see like, the process and the decision making he made as a parent when I was eight years old compared to when I was 17, 18. So I probably need to ask him, like, what went into that? And um, because sometimes parents don't do that now when when their kids have an opportunity to go to the next level, they inject themselves into where the kids should go or whatever. So um, but got into coaching quickly with Coach Arrington. That's now T.L. Hannah. He was at North Augusta. Cool story there is uh, I was coaching just a local AAU team, North Augusta kids. You know, uh, Sean Mims and I, Sean helps at Greenwood now. 
uh, we did a team together. Uh, Coach Mackey left, and so I wanted to keep basketball going because North Augusta, we had a good thing going with Jay Boykin, Cesar Grant, Tony Harrell, who's a coach there, Antonio Grant, who you went to college with in Carolina, yep. USC. And um, so we kind of had some, some momentum in the program, and, you know, we wanted to keep things going. So I said, I'm going to coach these kids, and uh, we had practice pretty much every day too much. And then I know I was watching the, the high school practice, and Coach Arrington kicked everybody out of the gym. He didn't know me. I didn't know him. He kicked everybody out of the gym except me. And so uh, I asked him afterwards. I was like, hey, I want to coach your kids in AAU. Is there anything that you want me to do with them? Can I use the gym? He was like, yeah, sure. I don't care what you do with them. Just teach them how to play man-to-man. And so that kind of – he watched how I coached those kids, and he asked me to help him coach at North Augusta, and I did that for like four or five years um, until he went on to Savannah. And uh, actually, one year I coached JV at Glen Hills High School where I was teaching that ninth grade social studies, and I was the varsity assistant at North Augusta High School. So it was I asked the principal when I got the job, I said, well, I already coach here. I know you want me to coach – this team but can i do that he was like do whatever you want just make sure you're at our stuff <laughs> so um did that coach Aaron went to savannah i started doing aau uh worked with top sports juan ornalis some uh palmetto hoopsters with zach norris and they were you know some of those teams playing the peach jam with him and uh zach i mean juan he had top sports and adidas uh south carolina ravens helped with the, with them with Dion. Team J70 with Junior Lowry and uh, Poole Abrams, James Abrams. That helps at Cardinal Newman. And Junior's over at Gray with Dion. But so I've kind of helped with different programs and uh, always tried to be like a gap bridger and let's work together for the state of South Carolina. Uh, actually, we had our own program called Team Truth where we partnered with Team Georgia Elite. And uh, for two years, we did that. Milton Jennings played for us, Travis Smith. I probably shouldn't name people, but a lot of, a lot of different kids that play, you know, good players in the state play with us um, for those two years and uh, got an opportunity um, to work with Upward. You know, Thomas Ryan, a lot of people don't know this. Thomas Ryan was our first director, Coach Ryan at Dorman, and they used to run the Upward Classic at Dorman. And Kenny Burr, who played at Lexington and U.S. Aiken, good friends with him. Uh, we were kind of helping Thomas find some teams or at least lead them in the direction of some some teams. And then they did a good job. The people at Dorman and Upward putting a tournament together. And uh, Thomas had to take on a different role at Dorman so he couldn't continue to be our um, director. And so the Upward reached out to Kenny who was coaching at Gaston Day, and they asked him, could he run the teams? And he was like, no, I'm focused on coaching my team, but you guys need to talk with Curtis Wheeler. They were like, who is that? Because I never talked to anybody upward. I just knew Kenny and Thomas, and we were all coaching and, you know, helping kids out, loving on kids, teaching them about Christ, teaching about basketball and life. So I meet with upward, and they're like, yeah, we need somebody to keep the teams going. You know, Kenny told us, you'd be great. And one thing led to another. And I started working that upward um, as well. And now we're this year, will be our 10th 
spring and summer doing upward stars so that's a lot of stuff to get you to but this this is where we are now well i think a lot of people after hearing that story can see why you're so well connected in so many areas of our state uh you named so many great coaches and, and people of basketball in our state you had an opportunity to work with. Who would you say some of the biggest influences uh, you've had in your life, in professional life? Uh, professional life, I'll always start with my parents, my dad, um, just setting the foundation of what it means to be a man both parents of what it means to be a productive citizen, not making ex- excuses, not being a victim, and also planting the foundation, the seed for me to be a Christian believer in my faith. So that's the most important person and people, I should say. And then uh, Keith Arrington at T.L. Hannah, just kind of opening my eyes to basketball outside of North Augusta, outside of South Carolina, just, just a whole new world of life five-star camp and Nike camps and Adidas, ABCD camps, uh, players here, there. I just, you know, he's just a basketball junkie. Um, and then Coach Coach Mackey just kind of teaching me um, how to play the game, how to think the game, I should say, how to think the game. And, um, so that – from a basketball standpoint, those people uh, professionally and personally, just like I try to surround myself with like good men, men who are like about the right things. Um, so I would say like uh, he's our co-director now, CL Butler. Um, he's just somebody that's like going to always tell you the truth, right? Regardless of how comfortable it is, he's going to speak the truth and you know you know cf mm-hmm. some too and um but just like and he's a person who's always going to do the right thing and work hard so like i'm big i'm a big competitor so like i try to put myself in competition with some of my friends and they may not know it but not like to like be better than them but to better myself so like if it's something that i'm like um not that great at if they are i gotta i gotta step my game up so i can be more like that person because i respect who they are as a man and that's one weakness in my life that i could be better at and then um just trying to think of who else uh sean mims who helps us he's always talking about communication and being very detailed over communicating because a lot of times I'm just like, man, they should know we've told them this a million times. But in his, you know, that's the educator in him, you know, just like over communicate, make sure parents know, make sure our coaches know. And then a lot of other a lot of other people, you know, that um, probably my best friend growing up, Edwin Quiller. He runs a Fortune 500 company, super guy, great husband, great father, um, just his professionalism and uh just no nonsense approach on some things. Uh, so, but yeah, just those are some of the people and, that I know personally. So, you know, something interesting you said earlier. You had an opportunity to play college basketball, but you decided to just go to school. What uh, when you decided not to play? Did you feel like uh, basketball was 
you were moving on from basketball or did you always still wanted to maybe find it, uh, uh, to move on to a professional career of it in some sort or manner? Oh, well, I knew I could, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't believe I could be an NBA player. So I was like, why keep playing? My friends, I wasn't going to be playing with my friends. You know, we had lost in the upper state championship to South Aiken, Tony Kitchens, another game cop. Uh, and we won the region and we lost to them. And, you know, it was just a really fun season. It kind of brought our community together. Like everybody came to the game. It was like, you know, a Duke game or whatever. Our crowd was really into every game and they did a lot of fun things. You see a lot of the schools doing that, their student stages. I'm not saying they copy us from North. That's I think everybody copies the college teams they see, college crowds. But it was just a really fun time, and just realizing like it wouldn't be that. At least I, that's what I put in my mind. It wouldn't be that small school. I was just content with like I'll just go to school. I wanted to be a lawyer. I love watching Law and Order. Um, so I was like, oh, I go to school for poli sci become a lawyer and that was just it but the main thing i just didn't i didn't i didn't think i would be an nba player so i was just like why keep playing you know yeah i think that's a decision a lot of people uh, students guys make at some point in time i always find it interesting when they decide to move on from playing basketball and, and pursue other avenues on it now we've we've entered we're recording this in early January, um, right in the middle of the I don't know if it's the middle or not the coronavirus crisis that we're in. How do you think this is going to affect AU basketball, or how are you planning for it coming in the spring and summer? Um, let's see. Do I want to give reveal our secrets what we're doing. No, <laughs> no. Well, I think this year will be a little different than last year because. This year, you can actually plan for it. Last year, you kind of got started right as the coronavirus, COVID-19, was becoming a thing, you know, mm-hmm. at least, or at least that's when we were told about it. So um, I just think we'll be able to play tournaments. People will have to wear masks when they're not playing. And we had to deal with this some this summer. Um, just each tournament director had different rules, whether you uh, – you can only watch when your team's there. You can only come in the gym when your team's playing. Then you have to leave immediately, wear a mask, um, sign all these waivers, different things like that. But how we – so this year we'll get the plan. So I'm expecting us to have some type of AAU season. I am not expecting us to be able to play in front of Division One college coaches because the Division One you do a really good job of keeping up with these things. The Division One. uh dead period which means coaches cannot come out to evaluate has been pushed back to april 15th so there's a live period april 9th and 11th in the spring and then i think the 23rd through the 25th so and i'm a very optimistic person but i don't think we will get coaches out i don't think the ncaa is really concerned with the live period i think they want to make sure they have an ncaa tournament first and foremost and so uh, I just I don't I don't see them being ready to to open that up right after the final four and Easter and say, all right, coaches can go out. I am hoping that in June, the high school 
live periods will be open so coaches can then come out and see kids with their high schools and then we get a week of AU with them in front of coaches in July. So how I would prepare for that is the same way we would do it. We'll have tryouts, we'll practice. Um, we will probably live stream some practices or at least last year we did a combine like thing up here at the star center and um, we were able to live stream it. And uh, we were the first program to actually do that. And there were a lot of other programs who started doing it, not in our state, but nationally that started doing that. Um, so sometimes it's cool to be first and be an innovator and a risk taker. But um, we did follow the protocols and tried to practice social distancing and everything that we could do beforehand and take temperatures. But it, it'll be a regular season for us outside. Of, I don't, I'm not sure if coaches will come out, but we'll we'll go play more regionally, Atlanta, Rock Hill, Spartanburg, you know, maybe Tennessee. I, I don't know if we'll travel, but um, our teams are on the Adidas circuit. So if Adidas does something, then we'll have to be where they need us to be. But it'll be business as usual. It's just a matter of coaches will be in the stands or we'll view and live stream. So. Well, I'm hoping that at least by the summer things will start to become a little bit more normalish with college coaches being able to to get out. But I do remember that when y'all did stream that event, and that was different that people haven't done before. And uh, I do I do find it pretty cool when you watch what other people try to be innovative because you still got to figure out ways to get your players out there, chance for them to be seen, and I think things like that. What y'all did was was really cool and really neat. Um, are you one of those guys like you think do you believe high school should be playing right now or do you think uh, you know the cases are so high that maybe we should pause a little bit? Um I get asked this a lot and people get frustrated with you know when their teams get shut down for 2 weeks at a time. But I do think that we should play, that kids should play and um it is tricky, but cases are going up, but I don't know how many cases are going up with the kids in the age range from 14 to 19. Um, and I haven't seen where kids playing basketball has uh, increased the number of cases. It seems like it's some other things. I, I, I mean, I don't know where people are getting it from, but it's kind of convenient, in my opinion, when they start talking about cases rising, because when we have certain things going on, they never talk about the cases. But then when somebody's having fun, they say, oh, they're not being respectful to what's going on. But if we have a bunch of people protesting about whatever it is, uh, death, an election, nobody says anything about COVID cases rising. But when kids want to play basketball, we shouldn't play basketball because COVID. So... I think we should play. Just take the precautions. And if you are concerned with anything, don't play. Coach K was complaining about we shouldn't be playing right now. He's Coach K might be the most powerful person in basketball. If Nobody's going to say anything to him if he says my team's not playing. And it still will not hurt any of those Duke players other than they won't have the experience of this season. So, if you don't want to play, don't play. But to answer your question, 
yes, I think we should be playing. I think it's good because I read a report where ages 18 to like 32 saw a 40% increase of suicidal thoughts since March because of the pandemic. So, and it also said that the kids seem more, more affected by staying inside than actually catching the COVID-19 coronavirus. I'm glad. That's not complete. That's what I read from a medical report, like a story. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because I do believe that is, and I have no medical report to back it up, but I do believe the mental health of kids not being able to play and when reasonable chances are given, I think it does have an effect on them. Now, I also believe every kid's situation, every kid's family situation is very different on whether they should or should not play, depending on who they're living with, different health uh, issues going on. But uh, I do believe the mental health aspect of the kids is an under underthought about aspect of, of all this, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's it's tricky. You know, I have people complain about the high school league. You know, I think our high school league is the mini NCAA a lot of times. Um, but I think they've got it, gotten it right with saying, hey, this is going to be up to the local school districts. And I think that's how it should be. Like, you know, a lot of people say the federal government should say, don't do this, and then, but it's got to be up to the mayors and the governors. So got to be up to the school districts to make the decision what's best for them because I, I read cases in the upstate were leading the race in our state, but the upstate wasn't shutting down. Richland 1 and Richland 2 shut down for a couple weeks. So it's just interesting to see how it all works. Horry County's just shut down, but they didn't shut down during beach ball to make sure beach ball. Now that's my opinion on that. So, uh, But now they're shut down to the 19th. Charleston I know the 5A schools, from what I was told by a coach down there, they could only play like kind of like cross bracket. The two regions that make up 5A, they can only play against each other or something like that. So I don't know if it's two regions that make up 5A, but they couldn't couldn't travel outside of like Dorchester County, Berkeley County, and Charleston County to play is what I was told. So everybody's different. Um, I don't think people really – take time to, like you said, pay attention to the mental effects that this can have on people. And just look at uh, Paul George. He's a multimillionaire NBA star. And he struggled, according to him, he struggled with having to be in the bubble, you know, in Orlando, Disney World. He struggled with that, being in that bubble, not being able to do his every his usual routines for games. And we keep seeing more and more that athletes are coming out about mental health. So like, I I don't know why anybody would take it more seriously. I know we come from a generation that's like, oh, just be tough. Don't worry about that. Move on. You know, I know people in your family just died, but you're not supposed to cry. Hold it in. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm 100% with you. I, I, I believe mental health is – of our students is I think misunderstood by a lot of us. Um, Cause I think every kid is a little bit different and uh, it, it is a part about me as a coach that I'm trying to understand better. 
um, the mental health, not just of, of COVID. You know, you talk about the mental health kids dealing with uh, social media. Um, you know, you know, I know we've got uh, especially some of our high school seniors that are playing basketball, haven't had a chance to play many games. They're worried about getting recruited. They're worried about what college they're going to go to. I think all of that does uh, wear on a student for sure. So I'll be interested to see how this all, all this whole movement of uh, coronavirus and how this all plays out. And I hope we get a chance to finish the high school basketball season. But I'm kind of with you. I, I agree with the high school league and giving as many people an opportunity to play as possible. And, you know, if a area school district team can't play, you can't play. But I, just because a few school districts can't play, I don't believe the whole state should shut down, in my opinion. Now, if it gets to the point where you can't have a legitimate playoff, then maybe you figure out something else uh, different to do. But that that's just my opinion. Now, something that did come out earlier in the, around May – April, May, June time was uh, was the racial uh, injustice issues of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and, and many others. How, how would you define uh, the Black Lives Matter movement and or just the whole everything that's gone on during that time? What is your thoughts on that? Okay, so Black Lives Matter. Uh, I won't read it today, but people should go Google what like, like what their mission is and what they're about. And it's probably not what most of our kids or people who want to attack social justice reform and racial injustices and gender injustices, you know, um, on what they're on. Uh, so let me see how to put this. It's kind of like a Trojan horse. They're hiding behind that they know these things have happened, police brutality and uh, police misconduct in some cases, just different things that have gone on in society. But we're talking about those two cases. So it's a Trojan horse, the BLM, because if you read their mission statement, they talk about everything except a black life mattering is more talking about um, what is it gays lesbians trans you know with that that movement more so than like we are we as a blm taking up this fight for so real true social reform justice reform so to me it's it's kind of a facade, I guess. Again, a Trojan horse mm-hmm. of what they're hiding behind because I think people who are actually using the BLM, like our kids and coaches, I think they mean what they say and what they're for. But if they actually look into the uh, movement's website and their mission statement, um it's two different things it's just not the same thing so like um i su- i support black lives matter if somebody asked me that but i would make sure i don't support that movement that cause enough people because i don't believe in what they believe in as far as their views on the nuclear family um so again i've said it three times or four times already 
it's a Trojan horse to hide behind something else. It's not truly about what people are upset about and wanting to change. It's really not about that. And anybody can get on Al Gore's internet and see it for themselves or Jack's Twitter and see it for themselves, you know, or Zuckerberg's Facebook and find out for themselves. Um, well, and that's for me, I, I say, and I've said black lives matter, but to me, that was more about a overall movement and not an organization. I don't, I don't support the organization as a whole, at least what I've read about it, but I do support, you know, I think what most people, I think, as you described, generally, uh, mean black lives matter. Now, what do you, what do you think, or when, what do you hear when you hear other people say that all lives matter? What do you, what do you say to that? Um, I mean, they do, they do, but I'll, I'll hear people say, well, all lives can't matter until black lives matter. And I'm not offended by it when people say all lives matter, but I can see why some people would be offended by it because in the black community, and I'll try not to speak for everybody, but a lot of times it seems like whenever you speak out or you say something, you're always told, sit down, be quiet. You shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do it that way. You should do it this way. You know, that's not the right way to do this. If you want to get this done, you should do it that way. So I'll take Kaepernick. Oh, he shouldn't kneel. Now, whether you agree with him kneeling or not, he has that right. Mm -hmm. You have a right to be upset if he kneels or to support him. So when I hear all lives matter, yes, all lives do matter. But that's not what we're talking about right now. We're talking about the black lives that have suffered from a death or a police beating or over policing, you know, different things like that. So, but yes, do all lives matter? Of course. Um, but that's not what we're talking about. When people are talking about black lives, there's, they're talking about black lives at that time because of what's going on in our country and our world. And I always tell people we live in a racist, sexist society. That's just our world. Does it mean you don't strive to make it better? No, you, you still try to make it better, but that is our reality. You know, if, if something happens to your kid in a lot of societies, the dad is shamed because that happened to his little girl, you know, and I don't want to be insensitive. I know you have daughters, so that's why I tried to say it a different way. But, you know, the dad is ashamed because of what happened. And it's just a cruel world. And when people try to fix it, so to speak, or make it better, a lot of times they're told, sit down, shut up. You don't need to do it that way. So that's what I think about when. If somebody says Black Lives Matter, and I say somebody responds and says, well, all lives matter. Yeah, well, they do, but we're not talking about that right now. We're talking about that. That's I, com I completely agree with you. I I've spent time over this summer and in spring trying to understand, because I will, I will fully admit, like the very first time I heard someone say 
Black Lives Matter, my first instinct was to say all lives matter. But then as time went on and I had an opportunity to think about it and research it, um, I understand, I, I, I feel like I better understand the things that go on with that. And I, I, it's, you know, it, it has taken me some time to really try to understand it and, and to also understand that I'm not going to fully understand everything because I physically can't walk in the shoes of minorities and some of the issues and, um, that people have had. What, what would you say to a coach like myself, who's white, that wants to make a positive difference uh, in terms of helping eliminate racism? I, I think sometimes, you know, we want to do things, we want to help more, but we don't know how to. And we're afraid to open our mouth and make a mistake or look like we're d- disingenuous. What, what, what advice would you give to, to a coach like myself? Um, I would tell you, it starts at home. The man I know in John Combs, I know what you're teaching your kids. So I got a friend I work with who's really big and he's a white guy. He's really big into like, it bothers him, the social injustice in our, in our society. And he asked me the same question. What can I do? I said, you teach your kids not to be that way. You teach them that everybody's God's child and, you know, what we learn from being Christians. Some people aren't Christians. They have other faiths, but that's where we get our moral compass from, both of us, from the Bible, from our faith, from our roots. So let's make sure we are really walking the walk of our faith. Let's not just talk about it on Sundays. You know, and that it comes back to that. It just comes back to at home teaching our kids because our kids don't know. I've got friends who their kids don't understand that I'm black. They're like, he's black. No, he's not. He's brown. I wish I was brown. Like, it's funny. Like, they're <laughs> like, I'm not white. Look, I'm yellow. I don't want to be white. <laughs> I want to be yellow. But we place that on our kids because they see and hear what we do, what we say when they get around, you know, once they start going to school, really, second and third grade, because kindergarten, first grade, they're fine. They don't know. They don't care. And that's the great thing about coaching. We don't care. We want to win the game together, you know, as a team. If we're fans, I don't care what you look like, what you smell like, whatever, how you do your hair, if you got tattoos. You like this team. I like that team. Let's go. We're all trying to win this game. Let's go team, you know. Uh, But I would just say, Teach your kids, you know, how to treat people, the golden rule, uh, the greatest commandment that Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. But most most of all, you know, love God with everything you have, mind, body, and soul. And if you do that, you're going to treat people the right way. But... um, But... It's hard, like you said, because you can't walk in someone else's shoes. But there's a movie, A Time to Kill. That's it's a powerful scene when it talks about, you know, race. They're in a jail cell, uh, talking lawyer and a client, and 
the lawyer's telling the client, you know, he's, I don't know how many people seen the movie, but, um, this is the one with Matthew McConaughey, isn't it? Yep. Matthew McConaughey and Samuel Jackson. Matthew's the lawyer. Samuel just killed some people because, you know, unfortunately they violated his daughter and he, he shot and killed. So he's on trial for death row. Lawyer comes in and say, I don't have any more points of law to, to throw at the jury. What are we going to do at the jury? Oh, Samuel Jackson says, so you don't get it, Jake. You, you're, you're just like them. You think like them. So Jake's offended. He's like, what do you mean? I'm your friend. I don't think that way. I don't act that way. He's like, yes, you are. See, you don't understand. That's why I picked you. You're my secret weapon because you think just like them. You don't mean to be. You just are. It's how you were raised. You look at me different. You look at me as a black man. You don't look at me as a man. And he was like, whatever it will take for you to set me free, that's what you need to go tell that jury. So I think a lot of times that is true. It was powerful to me because you're just living your life. You ain't done anything wrong. You just raise how you're raised, you know? And then, oh, somebody thinks you're maybe prejudiced because you're white. Then you ain't done anything. But you you can't understand it because to your point earlier, you haven't lived that life. You don't you hadn't done anything wrong. You just hadn't had to live that life, <laughs> you know, and just the way that whatever's been how we've been conditioned. People in general, whether you're white or black or Native American, Arab, like we've all been conditioned a certain type of way, you know, in the Middle East, some countries, some people, that's how we got this radical Islam. They're talking hate the West, hate the West. They don't know any better. Now, hopefully they change that way. But it, even here, people are taught certain things. And I go back to the point when kids, they see and hear us and they follow. Usually they model that behavior. So that that if you can YouTube that scene is a powerful scene. And I always think about it. It's just like he's like, you don't mean to be that way. You just are because the way you were raised and in society, you know, the media, you know, mainstream media, uh, even what we we teach in textbooks, you know, like, is it all the way the truth or, you know, is there another side to the story? So. Well, that's one thing, a, a book I started reading is started talking about, uh, you know, in other countries, two people will have a heated argument and in the heated argument, you know, when we have it on the, it tends to happen in America, what I've seen, when we have a heated argument, it's about one person trying to prove the other person right or wrong. Whereas there's other countries, when they have a heated argument, it seems like it's not even really an argument. It's trying to understand the other poison, other person's point of view and why they believe that. I don't think we do that well enough in our society. We don't try to understand the other person's point of view we already jumped to a conclusion and and i think that's one thing you know like i said i when i i grew up basketball went to irmo high school my senior year we had 15 guys on the team we had seven african-americans we had seven white guys and then we had one uh, asian guy so to me racism that wasn't a thing for me but as a white guy that never really was a thing for me for such a long time so i it took me a while, very honestly, to try to understand it better. And I'm, I'm still trying to understand it. And, 
I get it's a blind spot of mine, um, and it's a blind spot that I that I'm trying to understand better. But I do think that's a great movie uh, that you talked about. I think that's a really good scene in it. Yes, I mean it was. It's a great movie. It's a good movie. I'll say it's a good movie. That's a great scene. Yes. Yes. What do you feel? This time's different. Like, is this uh, this time that we're going through? The time that happened in the spring, summer. Is this going to make some change? Um, you know what? I said I hope the pandemic like helps change the NCAA more than anything. <laughs> I was like, but just change the whole system. Like basketball will be ruined because of it. Football will be ruined, and they'll have to change it. You know, do some different things with the players and. Just to, to be more about the players, you know. Mm-hmm. But in life, I, 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 I hope so. Just in, but what I'm afraid of, um, most people want to be comfortable instead of being free. So what I mean by that, our, I don't, I don't see our federal government doing what's best for the people. I, I like to say, if you want to serve the people, you get into local and state level politics. But if you want to get on the federal level, you're you're, you're trying to make some money and raise your clout. And, uh, and obviously that's not everybody, you know. Um, but for the most part, it, it's so, the swamp as they call it, is so congested and messy that I think they end up just covering their own butts and making money and selling the American people out. And so unless people choose freedom over being comfortable, they'll, they'll continue. We'll continue in this, whatever kind of phase we're in, like our country won't get, won't progress forward for the better, uh, in my opinion. And I, I feel like if people wanted to be free, they vote for i'm getting in politics a little bit but that's fine we're talking about what we're talking (laughs) but they will vote for a third party i don't you know i don't care who anybody votes for i don't judge anybody based on who they vote for but um because in my opinion and what i would say history shows the two major parties no longer serve the best interests of the people or the country and so I say all that to say, answer your question. No, I don't think things are going to change because we'll give you $600 because you'll be quiet for a little bit. $1,200, you'll be quiet for a little bit. Um, You know, so uh, I won't go too much into that, but I don't, I don't think so. I don't, it makes people understand like we need to be healthier because if my immune system is better, you your chances of catching colds and viruses lessen and you know if you can prevent if you eat better you can prevent some type of underlying condition some stuff we can't help that we get they're hereditary but if you try to change diet and drink more water and exercise there are a lot of things that we can do myself included that we don't do mm-hmm. that could, that can be we can be more preventive and then you know, be proactive so we don't have to be reactive. And I just don't see that. I don't see that sense of urgency in the American citizen, you know, like um, some of the older generations, maybe like the boomers or, uh, you know, 
not to say I'm not one of these people who say, oh, these kids are crazy and they don't want to do anything. Generation Z is great. In my opinion, they, they're super smart kids. They just got their own thing that they're into. And I think the parents, the, the adults, I should say, not the adults that have changed, not the kids. So I completely agree with you on that. Let's, let's shift topics a little bit. We'll go from one heated issue to another, but it may not be as deep. Let's talk about AU basketball and maybe some misconceptions people have about it. I, I've, I've seen you tweet out before, you know, and where people blame AAU. What, what are some misconceptions do you feel like people have about AAU basketball? Um, I think that everybody believes like an AAU coach or AAU basketball, people are making all this money <laughs> in the reality of it. It's just an extension of another youth coach or a high school coach. You spend more time with them and more money than sometimes with your family mm-hmm. and trying to help help kids out. Um, and the, I think the NCAA used a couple incidents to paint the picture that AAU coaches were bad people. But if you look at it, there was only one AAU coach involved in that whole thing. The rest were college coaches, you know? So um, I, just, I just think that's the, the misconception because people just think there's so much money flowing in and it's really flowing out, you know? You got entry fees you pay for. You got uniforms and shoes and bags and travel, and you know? So I think that's the biggest misconception. That there's so much money in it to be made and um, – Everybody that's going to college is getting money or somebody's getting money. And that's just not true. No, I, I, I agree with you. I think, you know, has it happened in certain places? Yes. But I think it's probably so overblown on what you're saying. Who's getting rich? Who's getting paid? I mean, let's be real. How many kids really sell shoes these days? I mean, I, how many? I, I just have a hard time believing you know, there's so much corruption going on now. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it doesn't go on. I know it does, but I, I do believe that is overblown for sure. How would you describe, you know, AU basketball in South Carolina right now? Uh, I think it's pretty good. It's on a rise. We got some people think more teams is a bad thing, but that's more kids playing basketball. Um, I just encourage people to try to be the best you can be, but everybody's goals are different. My goal and upwards goal, our goal, I'll say my goal that because that's how I started to think like when I was doing my own teams, but, and I brought that to upward in all of our coaches. What we want to do is our goal is to have the best players across the state, but some people just want to have a team with 10 kids from Lexington on it. And that's okay too. You know, Everybody's doing it for different reasons, and that's fine, and we have to understand that. Um, but I think it's in a good good space. Um, more kids are playing more than ever. Uh, we've got all these – think about this. We've got Riverview Park, multi-court facility. Upward Star Center, multi-court facility. The Rock Hill Events and Convention Center, whatever it's called, Event Center, multi-court facility. The Myrtle Beach thing, multi-court facility. Charleston's got North Charleston Rex Center's got three or four courts. 
um, all these great facilities in our state. So basketball is doing something right here. People see um, the value of it. Now we need one in Columbia. Yes, we do. (laughs) I'll pick on my Columbia people right now. They claim to be the Mecca of our Our state, we need a we need a four to six to eight ten court facility in Columbia. So bad, we need one. We need to get the right people in the room. But so Columbia, let's get it done because <laughs> we got them all over. But yeah, AU, you know, it's it's in a good place. It's in a good place. We got a lot of kids playing um, some quality programs in the state, um, but. But it's, it's 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 going well. I think. I think. I think. Uh, people recognize the talent. Some people are starting to recognize because they're like, "Oh, Zion and Ja." But you know, I mean, we've had players forever. Like we just didn't have. So I think social media has helped our kids more than a lot of places because we don't have a major city, and we are viewed as a football state. But you know what I saw. I saw a diagram the NCAA puts out, like based on how many kids go Division One per capita mm-hmm. in football. Football, we're always top five, right? You know mm-hmm. that. It's whatever. We are top five in basketball. Division One basketball recruits, South Carolina. So it says something about our players, our parents, our coaches, high school, and AU. I mean, I completely agree with it. You start thinking about you—you you name the events or the, uh, the 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 facilities that we have in South Carolina. We're not exactly a big state; we're a pretty small state overall. And you have those type of uh, venues with uh, the types of events the Upward Star Center has, you know, Riverview Park, the Rock Hill facility, Myrtle Beach, all the places you just named is incredible. And you think about it. All the big-time coaches at some point in time, are they're stepping foot in the state of South Carolina for an AU event. And then you turn around into high school when you've got the different things like the Bash and the Chick-fil-A Classic, uh, the beach ball and other events that are going on. I mean, I think basketball in, in, in the state of South Carolina is incredibly at a really, really good point and place right now. And, you know, we certainly appreciate – I know I appreciate and respect how hard you work for it and work for the kids and, and coaches and – and people try to uh, promote our state. I, I kind of want to end with you know just a couple of fun questions, a couple of rapid fire fun ones to just to to, to see what to, just to just get your take on it. All right, okay. who is one player you coached against that you would have loved to have coached? Ooh, one player that I coached against that I would have loved to coach. It's oh, a good question. Um. I don't want to live in the moment, so I'm just trying to think about this. Uh, the easy one, a lot of people say, was Zion when they had a chance to coach against him. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't play against him though. Okay. I didn't. I didn't coach against him. I did have an opportunity to help coach his high school team, but I didn't have the time, so I didn't want to like be a part-time assistant coach. So uh, I would say. Oh, Lewis Williams. Okay. Lou Will, yep. That, that would certainly be a, a good one for sure. All right. So I, him as, when he was a sophomore, we were in North Augusta. We played at South Burnett, yep. Okay. I know you're a deep guy. 
let's say you're going to you're going to lunch and you can have three people to join you. Who would you? What three people? I'll say dead or alive. Would you want to sit down and have lunch with? Ooh. Okay. I always exclude Jesus in this because I'll see him in heaven. Okay. Um, so I will say John Brown, um, Malcolm X, and Hmm. Thierry Henry, soccer player. Okay, that does, I was wondering if you were going to go go with a soccer player there. Um, all right, at night when you're at home, you turn on the television. What are you going to watch? Oh man! At night, turn on television. Netflix or a show? <laughs> yeah, so are you going to turn on a Netflix show or are you immediately going to sports right away? Um, Probably something on Netflix. I don't watch a lot of TV. My TV isn't even plugged up right now. So um, sports, if we have a kid playing from upper in college or, you know, one of the guys from South Carolina is playing somewhere, whether, you know, I'll tune into that or, some, you know, a big game. But – I would just say, now nah, at the end of the day, it'll be sports. It'll be sports. Yeah. Well, well, what you just mentioned, I mean, there, you've got a lot of guys that come through the Upward program that are playing on television. I mean, it's uh, you get an opportunity to catch them either online or on TV. And, of course, with you know, you got P.J. Dozier playing in the NBA, and it's pretty cool to, to be able to say that. All right, last question here. you got one last meal, where are you going to eat it? Where, what restaurant are you going to for one last meal? One last meal. What restaurant am I going to eat at? Well, I recently, I'm changing my diet to become plant-based. We're going to scrap that. <laughs> uh, I'm going to uh, Captain George's Seafood Buffet in Myrtle Beach. Best crab legs. That's where I'm going. Well, you certainly wouldn't be cheated out of food going to that place. You'll certainly, <laughs> you certainly – you'd leave that place full. I, I know I have many times. Well, Kurt, yeah. man, I certainly appreciate your time uh, talking basketball, um, especially South Carolina basketball, and going deep with some of our conversations about racial injustice and appreciate you willing to – uh, to, in, to invest your time with us. And, you know, I do thank you for your service to our kids and to our sport in, in the state of South Carolina. Well, I appreciate you having me. We've known each other for some years. And I will say this, you keep doing what you're doing for the state because I know a lot of people appreciate how you push the envelope and been innovative. And, you know, you start help start the elite camp and SCBCA and different things like that. This ball metal, you know, state podcast which when I saw the name, I was like, man, that's a great name. I wish I thought of it. So, um, you know, I just want to make sure you know that you're appreciated and that, you know, everything that you've done for a state for basketball, just to improve it, you help push that fall sport practice, you know, for our for our teams, our winter sport practice in the fall. So like, there are a lot of things that you help do behind the scenes and been a part of that, you know, we know you you're pushing it. So. 
You've been listening to the Balmetto State Podcast. Please visit our website at balmettostate.com. We would love to connect with you on social media and hear what you think. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by going to at Balmetto State. Thank you for investing your time with us.